0: You're listening to another episode of I Love This. You should do a podcast with me, Samantha Hees, and him, Indy Randella. How are you, Indy?
1: Oh, I'm doing all right. You know, just living life. And how are you? No. I never know how to answer. <laughs> how Sorry. <are> you? <laughs> You'd think out of all the things I'm, I'm always prepared to talk about, how are you? And I, I never have a good answer. Because uh, after all, what is life more than something that we are all both simultaneously blessed and cursed with.
0: Oh, I was going to go with a flat circle, but... Life is a flat circle? Sometimes.
1: Huh. You're, You're really doing... giving me something to think about there.
0: you think about that after the podcast? How or... are you doing, Samantha? I'm good. I'm good. I'm having a great day, actually.
1: Because you got new products.
0: I got new Apple products, and I saved $40 a month. There so. you go. I'm feeling like I'm being a good adult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, second biggest division in our household: is you being Apple based and me being everything else.
0: It's true. It's very true. I still use like PC for work and everything.
1: What do you think the first biggest division in this household is?
0: Our diets. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> no, but but I do all the cooking, so you have to eat healthy I at love least it. when I'm around. I do like it. I was going to say uh, support of the monarchy.
0: Oh, I didn't realize we were going there today. You love
1: them, I hate them. Or our feelings on cilantro.
0: Oh, cilantro.
1: That's a a hard difference between us. So good. (laughs) So gross. In the right places.
0: Mm. So Indy, it's your week to pick a movie. So we'll start with your thing of the week.
1: All right. Well, my thing of the week is the 1957 Audrey Hepburn, Fred Astaire classic funny face
0: ah your instagram today i gave this away <laughs>
1: i was watching funny face because again i didn't have a new show that i've been watching or a new movie that i saw recently so i went and watched something that i thought i loved from a long time ago and yeah it's still pretty great have you seen funny face
0: i have but many many years ago when i was first getting into audrey Hepburn. i think i watched pretty much all of her movies that i could find that I could rent from the movie studio.
1: Right. I think I own everything she's do done. You? Except for like, what was that one? Blueberry Hill Gang? She has like a cameo. I don't think I ever young. watched that. And always I don't own.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I rented them as a young adolescent, I guess. And uh, I do not remember much of it, though. Tell me about it.
1: This week, because I think you were upset of how much I didn't love a simple... Favor. Favor as much as you. So I'm uh, allowing that film to influence both of my picks. Oh, But I'm splitting it in two because that film had a lot of influence from... Two very different places. Mm-hmm. So first, we're going to go with the fun fashion aspect and go into Funny Face. Mm-hmm. Because when you were talking about how you love the fashion of films, and I was like, I don't pay attention to that. And I was like, oh, no, wait, I do. It's just not as much in contemporary films. Right. I don't. But when I think of a movie that has great fashion, my first thought is Funny Face. So the plot is uh, not great. It's nothing special. Uh, Fredis there is a photographer Kay Thompson is a fashion magazine editor and they go and ruin Audrey Hepburn's bookstore. And then they're like, wait a minute, you might be pretty. Come be a model in Paris. So Mm -hmm. she's like, all right, because she's like all beatniky and wants to go to the cafes and discuss philosophy in Paris. So she goes along with them, has a good time. Of course, Fred Astaire and Audrey Hepburn are going to fall in love i guess that's a spoiler but i think if you're going into a 50s musical with two people like that you know what's gonna happen i
0: feel like hearing starring Fred astaire and audrey hepburn i feel like there's a romantic yeah yeah. that's not really a spoiler for me
1: so there's nothing much to the plot but of course this movie isn't about the plot it's about the style the singing and the dancing oh and there's so much style to it it has it kind of uh Exemplifies those late '50s, early '60s Technicolor musicals where everything is bright. There's coordinated outfits. The sets are really extravagant. There's even one song early in the film where it's people in their bright outfits on an all-white background. Like mm-hmm. it's not even in the actual world. They kind of take that outside of that, which was a popular thing in the '50s. Oh, that's neat. And the songs are done by George and Ira Gershwin, who I'm sure lots of people love.
0: Love a Gershwin.
1: There's a lot of great songs and dances that I love in this one. There's a Bonjour Paris, where they all go to Paris, and the three of them are going to different landmarks throughout the city singing their songs and of course they all come together at the Eiffel Tower and <laughs> sing together and it is shot on location in Paris and you can tell because they really make a point of uh, of using the city to a uh, great effect Another really popular number that I think a lot of people have probably seen pictures of, but you might not even know what it is, it's when Audrey Hepburn is dancing, and she's doing a more avant-garde modern dance in this beatnik bar in Paris, and she's wearing that all-black outfit with uh, just the white socks is all I can see, uh-huh. and she's doing a modern dance, which you don't get to see very much in these types of things. But then you get things like uh, more soft focus classic dance number... With uh, Stare and Hepburn and she's wearing a wedding dress at this point and it's in front of a pond and there's swans in the background. So they really mm-hmm. lock into a slightly different style on each lovely. one of the numbers. So there, there's a good bit of variety even though it is a uh, like a late 50s musical. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie just does such a great job at uh, kind of being the pinnacle of those types of films. <laughs> I don't think it's as good as like Singing in the Rain or something mm-hmm. like that. But the style of this, it's just beautiful to look at. If you want to look at the cinematography, you got that. If, like you, you're really into the fashion, there's a lot of great uh, pieces. I'm not sure if she's being outfitted by Givenchy like she normally is.
0: I thought that was like her contract thing.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't in place right at the beginning of her career. And this is kind of a mid audrey hepburn career so you have like your earlier stuff like roman holiday where mm-hmm. she really breaks out and later she gets into some more dramatic uh mature roles like your breakfast at tiffany's mm-hmm. and i think this is kind of right in the middle of those ones
0: hmm. okay yeah maybe maybe it wasn't Shivanshi.
1: i'm sure someone out there knows
0: someone's yelling into their phone going yeah. it was Shivanshi! <laughs> it was always Shivanshi!"
1: <laughs> so like always fred astaire is great he's uh Charming and funny, and he's a great dancer and a fine singer. <laughs> and that sounds like a slight, but look, he's a he's a better dancer than mm-hmm. a singer. Uh, Kate Thompson is great. I didn't know much of hers because she does a lot of behind-the-scenes music stuff hmm. as well, and she's a singer, but I I don't recognize her. I'm sure she has been in, like, 500 movies, but I didn't and know charm. her as well. Yeah. And, of course, Audrey Hepburn is the epitome of effortless charm, as she always is, and is simply great. The only thing you don't believe about her is that at the beginning, people are surprised, like, hey, wait a minute, if you do something different, you could actually be attractive. Like, is She's still Audrey Hepburn. Right. And I always thought that was the case, but I started looking into reviews of her films when she was young, and people didn't think she was attractive. They, like, I, I, what a world that must have been. She's,
0: like, one of the most beautiful actresses of, like, all time. Absolutely
1: she is. So say you and I, so say we all, in Battlestar Galactica terms. Okay. And modern (laughs) terms, but, uh... Yeah, absolutely she is. But at the time, like Marilyn Monroe was the biggest thing. And she is quite a departure from that. So people felt she was like boyish and mm. like not not sexy, right? Because it's a very different look that she right. has. So
0: I guess by those standards, she doesn't quite fit the mold.
1: Yeah, and I always thought it was weird when in interviews she would talk about how everyone kind of like bullied her about her looks. And I was like, you look like Audrey Hepburn. How hard could that have been? (laughs) But of course, we're living in our society where like a very uh, thin, elegant person is is seen as a a person that's beautiful. French
0: look is very in.
1: Right. And at the time, not so much. So, but either way, I think Funny Face still holds up. It's great. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere right now. I just got it out of the old DVD cabinet, but...
0: I love when you just stick your arm in the DVD cabinet and pull it out. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So it holds up. Nothing great in the plot, but that's not what you're watching it for. You're watching it for these beautiful dance numbers, beautiful outfits, and beautiful scenery. And it delivers on all of those. So my thing of the week is the 1957 film, Funny Face.
0: Nice.
1: How about you? What's your thing of the week?
0: Um, well, it took me pretty much all day because work was insane um, to pick what I was going to do. So I read this book. You
1: mean it took you all day because you were working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how you're like, work was so busy I couldn't do other things.
0: No, I like literally didn't have a moment to think. So I, uh, I picked one on the way home, which means I didn't get to do my new write-up thing that I usually do. My book report. Um, but I am doing a non-fiction book this week. Um, I think my last two have been kind of suspenseful fiction books. Um, but this one, it's called Educated. It's by Tara Westover. And um, this kind of...
1: Wait, did you have this author in the past?
0: I might have. It's a memoir. Um, so it's written by the person that the book's about. Um, and she comes from a survivalist Mormon family and, uh, she leaves them and, um, ends up going to college and, uh, eventually graduating from Cambridge University. So, um, it's a really amazing story. Uh, it's kind of combines my love of cults and, um, also like really inspiring stories. And so um, I would recommend this book. It was um, a pretty quick read, and um, I felt like I just like couldn't put it down because it was such a compelling story.
1: So this is all first person?
0: Yes, it's all first person.
1: And it is all a true story.
0: Yes. Names are changed. That's the only thing that's changed. Um, one thing that I found really interesting is um, this is like a – family who they, they believe she described it as living in the woods um and they're survivalist mormon which is what they like identify there
1: oh that's a fun combination what yeah. does that mean for um, her
0: so it means that her father doesn't trust hospitals education the government basically anybody and then
1: she goes on to be a doctor she does Oh, that's so, quite, the, quite the leap.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed these stories of women kind of making it out of these extreme religion situations.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of like the ultimate, um, I don't know if underdog story kind of uh, diminishes it, but, <laughs> but like, yeah. against all odds. Yeah. Because right? I think there's nothing harder to overcome than the way you were brought up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she uh, tells the story in three parts. Um, The first part describes her life. So you get a really good idea of what her life in this place called Buck's Peak is in rural Idaho. They literally live in the mountains. Um, And uh, you get to meet her parents. And you kind of see how their whole world works. Um, Basically, they hunt everything that they eat. Um, her mother sort of loosely homeschools them, and at one point the author says, "Like I had no education for the real world. Like there wasn't the things that kids are taught in real school. We were taught like how to talk to each other, and that's and that's about it. So um, when she does actually have the opportunity to." go to school, she realizes that nothing that she learned up to this point was useful in the real world and um, basically has to study and take an equivalency test in order to get into university.
1: Right. That makes sense. Like I know I've uh, gone to university with some people that were homeschooled and they weren't in this crazy situation and it was hard enough for them so i can't imagine about this case
0: school teaches you important coping lessons very much so
1: and all the the social stuff is and all the social stuff
0: yeah and not having your mom there every second of the day to like pad your experience right right it's learning how to be independent and i think at like base level those are very important things to learn as a child
1: i feel like either i've read this book or you've already done it on this podcast, or maybe just when you were reading it, you told me a lot about it. Because all of this, I'm like, oh, yeah, Educated by Tara Westover. I know about this.
0: It's a very popular book. It's from 2018. I also work at a library. It's from so 2018. Sure it's... And it's one that anytime anybody asks on Facebook for like recommendations of books, before I even get there to recommend something that's nonfiction, somebody else or two other people have already recommended it. Like it's, it's a lot of people's kind of big book that they loved.
1: Is there any talk about this being turned into a movie? Because it seems like every movie is just based on something else. We don't have original films anymore. And this seems like it would lend itself well to a to a good movie.
0: Not that I could find. Starring
1: Reese Witherspoon. Starring
0: Reese Witherspoon. Um, not that I could find. I didn't see anything about the rights. Um, so I didn't see anything on the internet about that. But I agree with you. This would be a very cool movie. So part two covers um, the author's studies at Brigham Young University, um, where she had taken the equivalency test and been able to uh, be accepted into uh, the program that she wanted to get into. And um, then her professors at Brigham Young pushed her to apply to a program that um, allowed her to study at King's College in Cambridge. which is pretty neat um, for someone who had zero education. Um, And throughout the book, you kind of see her adapting to the world, like to the outside world um, from her tiny little insulated family life. And um, one of the things that she uh, doesn't realize that she's doing is um, she gets an infected tooth. And she has no money for dental because she's a student and she's living off of scholarships. So she doesn't have any money to actually go to the dentist and get it fixed. And um, she doesn't realize it, but she uh, refuses to ask for help. And this is something that her father ingrained in her at, like, a young age. who's like, the outside world always wants something in return and there's no such thing as charity and, like, basically you're weak if you can't figure it out on your own. Like, how to get your tooth fixed. Um, So her church that she joins, which is not a survivalist Mormon church, uh, offers to help her. And she finally breaks down and gets the help that she needs because it's also affecting her studies. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it's nice to see her learn some lessons and adapt really well to the outside world. So I would recommend this book if you would like an uplifting true story.
1: All right. Does she remain religious, even if not Mormon?
0: Yes, I believe. I can't remember what the church she ends up joining is, but I think it's a less restrictive sect of Christianity.
1: All right. Well, you know how you can find out. You'll have to read the book. What's the book called again?
0: It's called Educated, and it's by Tara Westover. I'm pretty sure that this book is so popular that if you typed E D U C A into Google, it'll pop right (laughs) up.
1: It's so popular. It was also covered on our 46th episode. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) But we can leave this in because you know what? We've been doing this for what hundred and twelve-ish episodes. We're bound to repeat ourselves. True,
0: it is such a good book too. Everyone should read it. Go read it.
1: There you go, a double recommendation, a double recommendation,
0: double love. Isn't that doesn't that mean you lose in tennis?
1: Oh, love, love just means tied. Yeah, zero is yeah. love. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, sorry for repeating myself. I didn't realize I should really check the show notes before I pick something. So Indy, it's time. <gasps> Can you tell us what we will be watching and talking about next week? Yes.
1: Yes, I can. Great. So we are going to be watching the 1944 film noir classic, Double Indemnity. Hmm. Have you ever heard about this before? I
0: haven't. Please tell me more.
1: So like I said, I took my inspiration from your movie, A Simple Favor, and the two things I think that blends are the... High fashion world of Funny Face Mm -hmm. mixed with the film noir of something like Double Indemnity.
0: Oh, okay, well I'm excited. I knew after you said Funny Face and you said your both your picks had to do with the movie we did last week, I had a feeling it would be film noir.
1: Because I wanted to go there at some point and I wasn't sure when to, so it just seemed like here's an opportunity. I haven't made you watch anything in black and white in a while, so I feel like you're due for something like that. I'm ready. And also, I kept talking about earlier on in this podcast, like in our first 20 episodes, that this was kind of the road to Caligari, the uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is one of my favorite movies ever. But we have to start with doing a little bit of horror, which mm-hmm. we did with Shining. There's a lot of aesthetic from Edward Scissorhands, and then you had to take a step further back and... I think film noir would be the next step back. Then we might stop off in something like Fritz Lang's M, and then we could probably go all the way to the Weimar Republic and the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Okay. But it's like a three-year plan to get you to watch this movie.
0: Ooh, okay. I'm ready. We're halfway there. Wow.
1: So Devil Indemnity is a movie from 1944. Like I said, it's a film noir. But it's also a um, maybe a psychological thriller would mm-hmm. be the best way to describe it. It was directed by Billy Wilder, who has done. He's a, one of the biggest filmmakers of all time, I think. Um, like, you can go from Double Indemnity to The Lost Weekend, Sunset Boulevard, Sabrina with audrey hepburn and he also did uh love in the afternoon with audrey hepburn but that one's not as good uh he did the seven year itch some like it hot the apartment we'll definitely be doing the apartment sometime on this the front page and it just goes on and on he's a, a real big time director especially through the 50s and 60s this was kind of pretty early on in his career he had done a few features by this point but not he wasn't like the huge name that he became right And the screenplay was co-written with Raymond Chandler, who is probably the name for uh, Pulp Fiction and Film Noir, Hmm. who wrote uh, Murder, My Sweet, The Big Sleep, The Long Goodbye, all those things with such, such good names. Hmm. The Big Sleep. That's one of my favorite titles of any. Oh, it's such a (laughs) good one. The Long Goodbye as well. That's such a good title. And he did those uh, Philip Marlowe novels and then movies, which a bunch of you out there I'm sure love. And when it came out, it was generally well received. The people who didn't like it were uh, more cautious about the subject matter. Mm -hmm. They were like, ooh, we don't want that kind of stuff. It's too, too risque. By today's standards, like, no, yeah, 12 year olds could watch this no big deal. Oh, that's funny. But it's a different time. (laughs) It was uh, nominated for seven Academy Awards but did not win any. And in years after it came out, it really started to get more more well-known. Before I continue on, maybe we should watch a trailer. Okay. And I'm going to give you the option of, do you want an original trailer from 44, or do you want a modernized trailer that makes it look like a movie from today, but it is, of course, that movie.
0: I think I want to go with the original.
1: The chilling masterpiece from the pen of James M. Kane, Double Indemnity. <laughs> Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close, without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle? I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me? They're not going to hang you, baby. It's better than going on this way. They're not going to hang you. Because you're going to do it, and I'm going to help you. I'd like to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and the stripedance ideas about company policy,
0: I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make a head
1: spin. Now we know the Dietrichson Dame is in it and uh, somebody else. Only well, I
0: haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys.
1: He'll show, he's got to show. Sometime, somewhere, they've got to meet.
0: The finest come from paramount pictures, comedies, dramas, Musicals, mysteries, entertainment for everyone. Okay.
1: Well, that really didn't tell you much at all.
0: No. I'm excited, though. It what looks do cool. you think? Um, I don't know. It seems like there's an unlikely romance.
1: Oh, perhaps. And a murder. Mm-hmm, maybe.
0: And maybe a police investigation.
1: That's uh, Edward G. Robinson. He's actually an insurance adjuster.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I think I'm excited to see it
1: good i'm excited as well so i saw this once when i was probably like 17 18 in my film history 101 class <laughs> that's the only time i've seen it oh and I a long time yeah i picked it because it might not be well it's not my favorite noir but i think it really uh like typifies the genre so this was made at a time when the term film noir didn't even exist right. or if it did uh, Billy Wilder had never heard it before. So he was just making a just a movie and this was just the aesthetic of the time and now we think of it as kind of like peak film noir. Hmm. I think you could argue, probably, like film noir started in 41 with uh, Maltese Falcon and probably ended in uh, 58 with uh, Touch of Evil, which I'd also probably like to do at some point. It's very good. And there's so many other great ones in it, but this just has like all of those hallmarks of what I consider a film noir to be. It has like a morally ambiguous anti hero in the lead. It has a femme fatale who is, you're not sure if she's dangerous or in distress or maybe both.
0: Oh.
1: It has a, well, it doesn't have a detective. They usually have detectives. But this is an insurance adjuster who is essentially acting like a detective. It has uh, someone really hard kissing. You know, when they kiss in 50s movies and they just kind of smash their faces yeah, together. It looks painful. It does. I don't know how their teeth don't bang.
0: Didn't that happen in another movie? Psycho? Didn't they at one point kiss? That was the style at the time. Interesting.
1: It wasn't until uh, the lake house that people moved into those like hundreds of mini little hamster kisses. That was gross. (laughs) Um, It also has a narrator. It's telling the story. And a lot of movies like this, they would start at the beginning. They're like, oh, I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. (laughs) And then he would tell the story. Oh. So it's another one of those. But uh, it's the aesthetics, I think, that will look a lot at... The visuals are very dark and claustrophobic. The rooms feel like they're looming in on you. The uh, lighting casts really long shadows and that's often used to either conceal a person or Mm -hmm. uh, express their emotions as well. So that's why I'm saying it can draw its roots to German Expressionism, which we will eventually get to and I'll be so happy when that happens. (laughs) But also the pressure. How do I talk about Caligari in just like an hour and a half? It's going to be tough. And there's a lot of uh, kind of like psychosexual themes that Mm. were very risque at the time, but maybe not so much now. But we can kind of see the birth of a lot of modern thrillers can draw their roots back to a movie like Double Indemnity.
0: Interesting.
1: And I think you can definitely see a lot of the influences in uh, A Simple Favor.
0: Okay, I'm excited to see a original film noir up against the one that we just watched
1: yeah i think it'll be interesting and you you'll definitely be able to see a lot of links plot wise i don't want to point out what because of course we're going to see it and the style of course is much more toned down with modern stuff but i Mm -hmm. think you can still see pictures pieces of it maybe in her wardrobe Mm -hmm. less in the lighting and stuff because that one was filmed in a in a very modern way
0: yeah and that house it's hard to do old-timey yes with
1: it's not a claustrophobic house no
0: it's that big bright airy modern house Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) unfortunately like a lot of movies of the time it's not the easiest to find by a lot of streaming services Mm. at least for free but you can rent it on amazon or youtube if you go through your local library you can watch it for free with an app called canopy with a k so you can check that one out also it'll be in the little link in the show notes but hopefully you can find it somewhere you should check your library because i know at least the library here carries it on dvd and i think because it is such a classic such an influential film you should be able to find it more easily at a library than a place like netflix
0: true very true
1: so we are going to be watching double indemnity from 1944 for next week and then we can discuss all the murder and twists and sexiness and cool hats hard next time oh there's gonna be some hard kissing (laughs) just grab them by the shoulders and just smash your face into them
0: that's why you do that
1: Oh yeah, that's what I'm. That's the only way I'm gonna kiss from now on. <laughs> I kiss like a detective.
0: Yikes! Yeah. I mean, mm. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.
1: From paramount pictures you gotta see this film it's real boffo that's how they talk in the in the old trailers look at the games on that one they go all the way up